Welcome to the Empowered Women Rise podcast with me, your host, Lucy Bennett. Today I'm joined by Lisa Norman, who shares her story of survival, strength and courage. So Lisa, tell me first of all about the journey that you have been on. Yeah, hi everyone, hope you're all okay. Um, So my journey, prior to my son being born, um, life was pretty boring, it was pretty good. Um, You know, met my husband and we decided that we would go travelling as much as we wanted, eat out whenever we wanted. And then we got married and decided we want a family. as you do, uh, perfectly normal, natural part of life. So um, it took us a few months. We fell pregnant. We were over the moon to be starting that next sort of chapter in our life. And um, things were going absolutely fine. I went to uh, my 12-week scan, and that was all good. I went to my 20-week scan, that was all good. They did pick up that I had something called PAP-A, um, and PAPE can mean lots of different things, but the main problem with it is that it's a protein deficiency. So wow. they just said to me, towards the end of your pregnancy, we're just worried that baby might not grow as quickly as he as he should do, um, as much as he should do. So that, that's absolutely fine, but we're just going to monitor you a lot, lot more towards the end of your pregnancy. Yeah. At 23 weeks, I had pelvic girdle pain. I'd had this for quite a few weeks and I was, initially I was fobbed off quite a lot by the doctors and the nurses. And then I got um, one doctor who was just like, I've had this, I know how painful it is. I will get you all the help that I possibly can. And by 23 weeks, they'd left it just a little bit too late. Um, So I was signed off work. So I'm someone that was always in the workplace. Never, I'd had three days off sick in 10 years. Um, so I was never off sick. So that was a big deal for me to not be going into work. But yeah. the fact that I could rest um, was just such a relief as well um, because I was so tired. I could not get comfortable at all. I had pelvic girdle pain. So basically um it appears when I'm pregnant that um you get a flood of hormones anyway which goes yeah. to the ligament to loosen them up to prepare you for childbirth um but my body seems to like these hormones and decides that they're going to just loosen everything up way too much which then causes so much pain <laughs> oh, God, thing. so yeah it wasn't it wasn't fun um, no not at all it sounds really tough. Yeah. Pregnancy in itself, for the, for women who've been through it, is like it isn't the easiest experience. But then when you add all of the extra additional issues that you have were were suffering, then it, it makes it even worse. The extra pains and the extra issues. So what was what what happened next? So um, I was signed off. I was really bored. But so excited because I thought, well, I get all these extra scans. They were like, look, they were they were the thing I was looking forward to. They were little day trips out for me because yeah. <laughs> I didn't have much mobility. And um, we turned up to the first scan, and we turned up early. We know that there's never parking at the hospital, so we're always early. We must have been about 20 minutes early. There was no parking. We were just driving round and round and round. There was nothing. 
So my husband was like, I'll drop you off at the doors. I'll go and find this elusive car parking space and I'll come meet you later. Um, so the sonographer, she was on time. Um, there's nothing worse than being late when uh, you've got a bladder full because they, they insist that you have this full bladder for a scan, don't they? <laughs> when you're pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> so luckily it was on time so she took me in and I explained the car park and I said my husband might just wander in at some point <laughs> she was like no problem whatsoever so um she started the scan and then she said she did a few clicks she showed me the baby and then she said just ring your husband tell him that he can park in the emergency bay I'm going to go tell security that I've okayed it um and she walked out the door she didn't say anything else Oh my God. As soon as my husband came in, sat down, she started up the scan again and she said, there's something wrong with your baby. Um, all this fluid shouldn't be here and his heart rate is too fast. Right. So she said, I've already take, um, taken some images from the first scan, I've sent them upstairs to the consultants and um, I'm going to go and see what they're going to decide you need to do next. Yeah. So she disappeared leaving us completely reeling from that information she was back within within five minutes it felt like two but judging by the distance she had to walk you know it probably was a little bit longer and she said you're going up for surgery right now so yeah so I waddled through the waiting room with all these pregnant women tears streaming down my face I was like trying to turn my head away it was like oh they, that, you know they don't want to see that when they excited to go and see their baby so um yeah I got bundled into the lift as soon as I got off the lift I was met by two nurses um and I was whisked into a room I was stripped I was a catheter put in just blood taken jewelry off I had so many consultants come in and ask me the same questions all these different consultants none of them thought to share the information they all came in and they had to ask me these 20 questions themselves what have you eaten what have you drank are you allergic to anything so as yeah. soon as I'd seen them it was right you down to surgery wow. so off to theatre and our baby boy was born with two rare conditions the first one was high drops which was all the fluid so he weighed uh, £4.13, ounce, which sounds like a good healthy weight for a premature baby. £3 of that was fluid that shouldn't have been there. So he was technically only about a £2 baby. And his heart rate was beating at 320 beats a minute, which is about six beats a second. Oh my God. So that condition is called um, supraventricular tachycardia, or SVT for short. Um, and my husband, when he was being prepped for theatre, was basically told, we don't think your son's going to survive delivery. Um, and if he does survive delivery, he's not going to survive much beyond that. They gave him a 10% chance of surviving. Bloody hell. Um, so he so was delivered. He didn't make a peep when he was born. Nobody made a sound in the room. Nobody yeah. communicated or said anything. Um so yeah, it was it was scary. Um, yeah, I can imagine that you thought the absolute worst had happened already. Yeah, that is yeah. so tough, so tough. Yeah. So we got to see him for about a minute, and then he was whisked off to the neonatal unit. Um, and then I was taken, I was stitched back up and taken into recovery. 
Uh, my husband got to see him about six hours later. And then when my husband went home, two of the nurses came and got me and I was allowed to see him for about half an hour. Um, so they they snuck me up upstairs whilst I was still in, in this big hospital bed, which is not easy in a NICU with all the equipment that's in there, but they were determined to get me up there to see him. <laughs> oh my God, you poor things. It must have been such a traumatic time for you. And of course, being your first child as well, even more so. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, it was what I expected these kind of experiences are really brought to challenge us as human beings and to challenge our capacity to cope with things, you know, yeah. to deal with anything. Because if you guys could cope in that situation there and then, then you can literally, you know that you are, you can cope with anything in your life, you know, after that, that those moments, yeah. those weeks. Yeah. So you now have a happy and healthy little four-year-old, right? Yes, it took a while. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it, it was in the for about. Sorry. Oh, but yeah. Sorry, you carry on. But I was going to say, so it, he he was in neonatal for yep. for a while. But yeah, carry on your story. <laughs> yes, he, he was on the neonatal unit for seventy three days in total, wow. um, which is a long time. For the first four weeks, we were pretty much told every day you might not have a son to come to tomorrow we just cannot get his health conditions under control. And then um, on day 28, he was transferred to a more specialist hospital. And within 12 hours, they got his conditions under control. It was just amazing to see. Um, so then it was a positive journey from there on because um, we were just working towards getting home. And day 73, we got this amazing news. Yep, you can go home. And then we had him home for four days and he went into respiratory arrest. Mm -hmm. So we had to resuscitate him on our dining room table. Um, and yeah, luckily my husband's trained in that and I got training before he was sent home. So we knew what to do. Yeah, so it was a case of, right, get him on a firm surface, start compressions, ring 999. So we did all that. Um, yeah, and then we were in and out of hospital for the next two years, I would say, with his um, heart and his chest because um, he ended up getting um, chronic lung disease and that's because he was intubated for so long so yeah. that all the intubation scarred his lungs making them a little bit weaker but then in September of last year um, he was finally discharged from everything to do with his premature birth so he is Yay. I can say happy healthy four-year-old yeah. <laughs> good with a little brother now as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so crazily, <laughs> we thought, why not? Why not have another? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's good he's got, he's got someone to hang out with and play with. But you've been through so the last twelve months, you basically have been through pregnancy and you've been on maternity leave throughout the whole pandemic, which must have been another drama for you. Let's be honest; it hasn't been an easy year. <laughs> so it been doesn't. Tough. Do you know what? Having a premature baby first has probably prepared me for the second one and in a pandemic because with the first, I voluntarily put myself into lockdown because you don't want your baby to contract anything. Yeah. A simple cold could kill him. And that yeah. four days home proved it. Um, yeah. So and then, what, what happened? What was it that caused that after four days of him being home? Was it just like the viruses of all the kind of bacteria of life that has yeah so there's, a, there's a virus with a very long name I only know the initials off the top of my head called RSV and it's something that babies contract 
quite easily, but premature babies contract it really easily and um, it can basically cause bronchiolitis. Um, yeah. So it causes lots of breathing problems. And if they've got chronic lung disease or anything else, uh, any other underlying health conditions, then yeah, it can can be quite serious for them just to catch a common cold. Exactly. I, um, just to let you know, that got some comments here. So glad things turned out okay. What an incredible mum and woman you are. So some lovely messages come through. So thank you, people who are watching. You're so sweet. So obviously, you've been through so much, and it is it's taught you so much in your life. And you've become a published author on the back of this, and you've done some adventurous things in your own career and life. So tell us a little bit about what you've set up on the back of your experience. Yeah, so um, I set up Presents for Preemies. So we realised that family and friends didn't know what to buy us. They didn't know what to say to us. They didn't know how to help us. They had no clue about the neonatal unit, what life's like on the neonatal unit. Um, and they're not going to. They they haven't had that experience. You can't expect people to read your mind you have to tell them but it's such a traumatic experience that lots of people struggle talking about it yeah. so that's where the blog came in um so i share lots as to what happened with uh, my little boy and we set up a gifting service as well because people didn't know what to buy they were buying gifts that i had to put away and at the start i didn't know if i was ever going to take them out again i was still being told that my little boy may not survive and there was quite a few gifts that I, I just couldn't use <laughs> and I couldn't bear to look at them either because I was like if I can't use this gift what what do I do with it do, yeah. do I keep it do I get rid of it and how do I tell that person thank you but I can't I can't use it so yeah, yeah. so we came up with um and and it's just simple things that you can buy that can be really helpful on a neonatal unit so yeah, absolutely I'm sure that it is a different completely unique experience that needs your somebody who's had the experience in order to be able to help share that yeah. so um so yeah they've got some comments here amazing and people are saying that you know they've thought of friends who've been through this when they're watching this so yeah you're really resonating with people with this story so thank you so much for sharing it so um I love the sound of presents for premiers it sounds awesome it's it's just such a great idea and I think bringing conversations into the forefront conversations that are difficult for people to have is something that I feel very passionately about and I, I really you know I feel that that's an incredible thing that you have done and you've achieved because you've made something that people don't talk about. People are scared to talk about the possibilities of these things happening. They think I need to talk just positive, but what if it does happen? Then you've got, you know, you know that you you're here and you've got this service that can support and help people. Yeah. So that, that is an amazing thing. That is an amazing well, thing. The things you'll hear a lot is when somebody's gone through a traumatic experience people do say you shouldn't talk about it you're scaremongering if you're talking about it which is really frustrating because one of the things that people say whether they've had cancer they've been in some accident they've got some sort of disability had a premature baby whatever it is the thing that they come out with is i wish i'd known and because yeah. nobody talks about it they don't and it's like you don't have to ram it in people's faces. You just need to have them to have an awareness 
Um, yeah. so, and if it does happen to them, it's like something clicks and it's like, I, I know that there's resources out there that can help me with this. Yeah, and absolutely. Not somewhere to turn. That's it. And not feeling so alone, because when you do go through traumatic experiences, one of the hardest things is actually that aloneness and not having anyone to talk to that understands you. Was there anyone in your life that had been through a similar experience that you could share with or were you very alone at the time? I was very alone at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody had had a premature baby. We hadn't had a baby in the family for a very long time. Like me and my brother and my cousins were, were the, sort of like the last babies. So, oh. yeah. <laughs> you know none of us had started our families yet I, I'm the oldest of like the grandchildren and cousins and also I don't live near my family so my parents moved uh, to the north of England when I was younger uh, yeah. from the south of England so all my family are down there bar my mum my dad and my my brother so and my husband's family is the same they they didn't have really any babies or children um so yeah it there, there was nowhere to sort of turn to and you know it, it was getting advice from my mum yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I, I, I wasn't premature but I was on the NICU for a little while so my mum could relate to that element of it yeah. um but yeah that that was all really yeah absolutely excellent so what's your future plan for the business how are you growing it how are you communicating it to the world how is sharing it with people so that they can hear more about it <laughs> so yeah we've, we've got the uh, business we're on Facebook and Instagram where we give lots of hints and tips and um, we also share all the nitty-gritty as well as the good and the bad and the funny as well there's funny incidents it's not all serious it's not all doom and gloom on the NICU Um, there's those little milestones that you don't think to celebrate that actually are worth celebrating so we sort of encourage all that um, we have the group as well so we encourage a lot of like self-care and things like that um, we encourage you to celebrate the milestones not just your babies but yours as well because people forget about mum and mum forgets about mum you forget about yourself you're so focused on this little tiny person that needs you to keep them alive and needs you just for everything so yeah that's that's what the group's all about um and i co-run the business and the group with uh, stacy matthews she also had um, a premature baby yeah. so working together has been amazing that's really good i always think that's really nice when somebody has a, a like a, somebody who's got had the same experience as them to work with in the mm. community it's really good and also it's not always on you to be visible and be there that's so fantastic I'm so happy that you do that so I mean you're all um, you're always supporting women who are going through these experiences then ever since you've set up presence for premiums it's something that you always do you're always there for them yeah. to support them so yeah. if there's anybody watching who knows somebody who's going through this experience themselves or somebody that goes through it in the future where can they find you what's the name what's the name of your Facebook group um on on Facebook yeah, the Facebook group is uh, Premier Support Village. Um, and yeah, we're, me and Stacey are in there every day uh, talking, helping mums. We've got, we've made it a little bit different as well. So a lot of the Premier groups that are out there are very much peer support. And we thought that whilst that is absolutely amazing and you do need peer support, you need people who have been through that and um, to talk to those people and relate to those people. 
but there wasn't any other support out there that we could find. So um, we've got a lot of guest speakers in there as well who come in, they talk about um, stress and overwhelm and how to manage that. Um, we've had a preemie um, baby massage session. So one that you can do whilst you're in hospital. Um, we've just, we've had so many fantastic speakers come in um, to help our mums out. And well, families, we encourage um, families to come into the group. So we get a lot of mums and aunties and best friends as well in there uh, who want to know what to do and how to help. Yeah, that's amazing. That's really good. And if anyone wants to read more about your story, you were in a, a joint published book, weren't you telling your story? Yeah, so um, I've, I've actually been in two, um, but the main one that I was in is called uh, Birth Trauma, A Road to Recovery. Um, Jessica Prime was the lady who set up this project and she's absolutely amazing. She is all for women knowing their rights when they go uh, into pregnancy and into childbirth. Um, and it's it's a tough read um, because everyone's been through something really traumatic, but it's worth the read because it's how they've come out the other side, what help they've got, what support they've got and found. Um, and there's different, it's not just all premature birth, it's every birth. So yeah. um, there's something for everyone in there that's been Amazing. through some sort of birth trauma. Amazing. It's so, I'm not a mum, <laughs> um, but I, I would like to have been a mum, but I I had one miscarriage and then didn't want to go through the pain again. It was too, it was too traumatic for me that losing, losing you know, a fetus at, at nine weeks was too traumatic for me to try and go through it again because I was already 38 at the time and I didn't want to risk being in that situation now I'm 46 only a miracle could make it happen <laughs> but it's one of these things I through experience of family and and friends you know I see so many women go through so many difficult birth experiences and having you know their rights taken away from them to a certain degree just you know in Spain where I live there's a real custom of like cutting the women just to get the baby out quicker. So it's it becomes like every woman that has a child ends up getting cut and, you know, the baby's like dragged out before it's even ready. So my sister-in-law, for example, she decided to go fully natural with the second birth because the first one had been so traumatic. And she actually did it at home. She didn't tell anyone. She said she was going to be doing it in the hospital because she didn't want people judging her decision to have the baby at home. So she had a doula, a doula, you know, to help her with the birth. And she did it through kind of like, you know, meditation, connecting with her body and really doing it in a very spiritual and natural way. And the difference was absolutely incredible. She went from having a child who looked continuously shocked, like the first one, because he'd been like pulled out, you know, with bright lights, to having this baby that was so calm and so content like she's she's the most incredible little thing she's a year now but she was the most incredible thing she never cried you know so amazing but it the experiences are so extreme aren't they it's just and as a woman going into the health system you lose your kind of ability to be able to say I want this to happen to my body or I don't want this to happen to my body and as soon as you're there in that clinical environment your control gets taken away completely and that's it's a scary thing isn't it really it's like it's very much so yeah I mean I 
after having my first I had a lot of therapy um to deal with that um so I was in cognitive behavioral therapy for quite a while and as soon as I found out I was pregnant with the second the first midwife I saw actually said you'll be having a section there was no discussion there's there's nothing and it and I was like oh I've not you know I'm I'm nine weeks pregnant I've not even thought that far ahead (laughs) um and I went and got back in touch with the therapist that I saw originally and said, can I come and see you again? I'm, I'm just a bit worried about this pregnancy and I don't know how I'm going to cope if things go the same way. And one of the good things about doing that was she gave me back some of that control. So she was like, think about things, think about what you want to say, write it down so it's reinforced. And then when you see these professionals, you can say, this is what I want. Is there a reason why I can't? And actually, when you tell them that in a nice, calm way, they do start giving you some of your choices back. Um, They're they're not quite as, we're doing it this way (laughs) and and demanding of you. So... But it was knowing how to do that. And I would never have got that if I hadn't have gone back into therapy and said, you know, I'm struggling and I, you know, I'm worried about how things are going to turn out this second time around. Luckily, it was all absolutely fine. I had a second section and it was a completely different experience, not being an emergency section. Like yeah. The emergency section was, I mean, from my appointment time to him being here and in the world was two hours and two minutes. So... Whereas, you know, the plan section was a lot calmer. They were like, what music do you want on? And <laughs> this is your nurse and this is your midwife and this is your anaesthetist. And, you know, you got to meet everyone and talk to everyone. It was yeah, completely that's different experience. That's so good. I'm so glad that you've got that happy experience because it's after the first traumatic one, it must have been really, really tough. So, and like you say, you took to having therapy to help deal with that, which is, it's yeah. such a you know um the the americans love therapy they always believe that we should always all be in therapy and i myself for the last like six months have been doing a lot of inner work you know like really that like self-analysis and i'm actually training as a hypnotherapist myself at the moment and it's it's really funny how my whole life i never even thought that I needed to see anyone and then all of a sudden last year between August and, and now I've seen you know a grief recovery um, um, a grief recovery specialist who's done um, timeline therapy with me and I've had hypnotherapy and all of these things but it's it's life-changing when you take the decision to ask for help isn't it Lisa it's like when you take the decision to actually take control of your situation and your feelings and the way that life is is kind of going you say right I don't want to feel like this anymore I want to take action I want to feel better it's empowering in itself isn't it yeah it was one of the hardest decisions I made actually um going for therapy because I thought I'm going to be judged so much for you know they're going to think I'm a bad mum or that I'm not coping and I got to the point where I was going back to work and I was like I can't I can't go back to work. I can't leave him. I can't. I, I barely know him. I've only just got him home and I'm expected to go back to work. And I, I don't know how to cope with that. Um, and I wasn't judged. I wasn't, you know, there was, there was nothing bad about going to the GP. They taught me through my options. So they said I could have medication and I was, I, 
just couldn't do that. I couldn't wait for them to get the right balance and things like that. And I was like, if I'm out of it and he needs my help again, if I have to resuscitate him again or something like that, I can't have that. So they were like, other, your other options are talking therapy or, you know, we can look at other therapy, but this this is the one that we, we offer first. And I was like, yeah, that's what I want. And, and um, I was really lucky with the therapist that I got. She was absolutely amazing. She's a fantastic woman. Um, and, I mean, you're only supposed to have in in the UK, uh, well, in the Northwest, you're only supposed to have six sessions. Yeah. If you, know, you do those six sessions, then they'll give you um, another six. So that's your 12 and that's your allowance. Yeah. And I was putting the work in and I was like, oh, sessions are coming to an end and I feel... I'm, I'm not quite there yet so she fought for me to get as many as I needed and I ended up with 23 that's great but after that I, you know I'm not invincible but I've got the tools there and I know how yeah. to effectively use them exactly this is it um therapies like CBT and, and NLP and 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 hypnotherapy you learn the skills in a sense to be able to cope with life much more and to be able to deal with situations but obviously you now that you've kind of dealt with that trauma you feel like a stronger person going forward you've been able to deal with that because un, unresolved trauma is also such a big issue in our society that we we end up suffering trauma it doesn't get recognized by the people around us or even sometimes ourselves and then there isn't the help there so it, it's it's brilliant that you did get the help I'm really really happy for you it's good because you know sometimes people it just goes unnoticed and no one ever gets help and you know you just think people need help we we can't resolve everything by ourselves you know we need support we human nature in itself you know we are meant to be together in communities and groups and to help each other and support each other aren't we yeah and there's so much signposting that goes missing as well in terms of where to get that help like yeah. I mean obviously if you're struggling you know you can go to your GP but you're not told about all the other things that are available to you and when you're on the neonatal unit they ask if you're okay and your automatic response is yes and yeah. they don't push which, you know, I suppose in that situation, it's hard to know when to push and when not to push. So the nurses and things are in a catch-22 as well. But you're clearly not okay. You've gone no. through a trauma and your baby's not with you. So, you know, but then there's no follow-up. So once you're off the neonatal unit, it's like out of sight, out of mind. They've got the next family to look after. Yeah, absolutely. So you almost feel as well like you've missed your opportunity to get that help but you yeah. haven't at all. There's plenty out there. You just need to know where to go and what to do and what to yeah. ask for. And also, I think a lot of people need to find what's right for them. So CBT worked for me, but it doesn't work for some other people. So hypnosis might be the better option or you know NLP, as you say. Yeah. So it's trial and error with that as well. And people think, well, if CBT is not worked, then I don't know where else to go. I don't know yeah. what my other options are. So exactly. yeah. I think it's always good to try lots of different options. Well, I have taken up so much of your time now. It's been so good to hear your story. Thank you so much you. for joining us in the World Hearted Entrepreneur. And I'm also sharing this on my, my page so that people can share the video and share the story. I'll share it to stories later. 
if anyone has any questions at all for Lisa, then do let us know. But I really, it's been, I've really enjoyed talking to you today, Lisa, and it's really amazing to hear about the transformation that you've had in your life. You know, since you obviously have been through quite a traumatic, traumatic moment. So one of the questions that I wanted to ask everybody, <laughs> I've got a couple of these, was um, how do you infuse like heart and soul, so love and kind of kindness into your business that you run? Um, I think when you start out with business, you really struggle to do that. You you sort of put everything in into your business, like every spare second that you've got. And I think it took me a while to realise that it's it's a marathon, it's not a race. <laughs> like you have this idea, you want to get it out there and you want it to boom, have this huge impact um so quickly and it's just not the way it works <laughs> especially yeah. if you're new to business and you've never done it before you've got so much to learn beforehand such as you know setting up your website sorting out your content what's going to speak to people that's all trial and error as well keeping your books your admin <laughs> you know um sort of working out how you're going to talk to your audience or find your audience even so yeah it, it's a marathon not a sprint yeah, it is definitely, without a doubt. It's so hard because I think you just end up throwing it all together without really thinking about putting like the heart and soul into it. And it's missing at the start. It can be missing our authenticity. It can be missing the real meaning that we want things to have yeah. in the way that we communicate. It takes a while to build a community, doesn't it? <laughs> it's like... <laughs> But if you if you slow it down, it, it sort of eventually all comes together. And as I say, it's it's taking that approach that it doesn't have to be there all on day one because <laughs> it's no, never exactly. all there on day one. <laughs> this is it. Little by little, piece by piece. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And Lisa, if they want to come and find you, they can find you at Premi Support Village on Facebook. Is it the same on Instagram? Uh, no, we're Presence for Premies on Instagram and Presence for Premies uh, on Facebook page as well. Premies Support Village, the group. Thank you very much for watching, guys. Bye bye.